everyone. It is episode 276 of This Is Whole Life. And last week, you guys turned out in numbers. And guess who's still back this week? Say hello, Ken. Hey, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Says Jeff. (laughs) So everybody survived the great question. And if you are wondering... Uh, Let's not, uh, you know, we're still only a week out. Let's not... uh, (laughs) You guys, you guys, come on. No, I, I thought we did uh, we. I, I say we like I had something to do no, with no, it. No, no, you did, Randy. You are you are amazing. <laughs> Other we appreciate than, your editing and uh, just the uh, good job you do asking questions. Other than posing the questions, Ken had to actually, and Jeff actually had to answer the questions. And at the end, I was able to go, that sounds reasonable. I like that. All right. <laughs> so I got the easy job in that part. This week, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at this, I know for Ken – this is an unfortunately, because mm. this is the end of the great question for this year. For this year. Just this year, though. Oh, and we'll be back. For me. We'll do it again. Yeah. No, I, I, I love it. But at the same time, I'm like, my brain could use a little break <laughs> because some of these things are – I like to be that person – and I, I probably go into man mode and ladies, maybe you're like this too sometimes where you just want to solve it. You just want to go, I know that – here's my puzzle – I know that edge pieces go on the outside. I know that colors meet in these little weird shapes in the middle. And at the end, we have a picture that we go, yeah, I understand it. And not only do I understand it, I like it. And I have applied this to my life in A, B, C, or D. I feel like at the end of the week, I've done something constructive. And I feel like I know God a little better or a lot better. And it's just, okay, we wipe our hands clean and we move on to the next one. And I, we move on, and I'm still a little bit scratching my head, going, "Did Randy really get out of this what he was supposed to get?" Because there's just there's so many layers to these that you can go in, in different directions. And I, although I think we've done a great job covering them, at the same time, I always feel like, and maybe that's just me personally, I just I just feel like there's always a little piece that's missing, and that aggravates me to no end. I, I keep asking I Tammy should... to give me an hour to preach so that I can help Randy understand everything. But uh, yeah. you know, with the uh, 25 minutes that I have, I, I just it's just the best I can do for you, Randy. I know, and it, it might even be longer than that because you know, last week we took 45 minutes, yeah, plus the plus the message. Yeah. So maybe Randy needs way more than what we really really have time. So for. I guess I'll have to go back to Tammy and ask for two two for hours. Two is probably there, yeah. <laughs> well, and thank you for all the of you that listened and that shared and and shared last week's episode because we after one week about seven days of that actually six days we haven't hit a full seven yet because this is recording on Tuesday doesn't come out till tomorrow but we are already at what normally is probably our two week average mm. of the of listens for an episode. And so that's uh, we're already way ahead of the game. And so we know that more of you tuned in last week. I'm not sure how I feel about people tuning in to find out whether I was going to get fired <laughs> or not. That, that I'm just not sure how I feel about that. Well, but uh, I think it was. I suppose to- if that'll drive numbers, let's uh, let's keep uh, keep going that way, show. huh? Yeah. I think we should look at that that they were just here to support you. And they just really it's wanted to It's not a train go. wreck? Not, no, not, not no. Not an mm. accident by the side of the road, not a dumpster <laughs> fire. It's none of those. Yeah, no. Well, it might have been smoldering, but I think that's what they were there for <laughs> was to come and, and just like – because, you know, when you ask the question, it's already smoldering. Right. Now, the question is are we going to throw gas on it or are we right. going to put it out? 
And I think they were there to support. And I'm hoping that you enjoyed last week's episode. And if you haven't been a regular listener, then maybe did. now you will. I did too, as oh, well. Yeah. And uh, I heard. And really, we do this for our enjoyment. We hope other people will enjoy it. But really, at the end of it, <laughs> we're just having a good time in the studio together. <laughs> <laughs> My good friend Danny Hernandez and I used to always say, after something that was funny or we did something, we just say, well, we thought it was funny. I yeah. don't know why. It's, it's, it's worth it. <laughs> but we do seriously hope that you do enjoy and you can always let us know how we're doing by uh, reaching out to us. And we'll give those uh, details at the end of the episode. One easy question. Why does this story even matter? Right? I mean, in our current world, isn't there enough incredibly bad family situations for us to deal with and to care for people through and to go, man, I hope that never happens to me. I would never do, you know, all the different feelings and the things that come up, how horrible that was. And now we have to read about it in the Bible. Why? Because we're having to deal with it in real life and the Bible is there to help us deal with our real life. So there you go. So I think, you know, one of the great things about the Bible is if you really, if however bad you're feeling about your own family, <laughs> yeah, just read the Bible a little ways and you will find a family that makes you feel good about your family. That's so true. I mean, so we haven't true. even talked about, uh, we haven't even talked about Judah and Tamar yet. So, oh, I mean, right. we oh, can, man. it can, yeah, there's. Yeah, uh, you know, you think about it, you, God chose Abraham. Did he realize how many, you know, what, how many children were going to be? like really bad off in that story. I mean, it was just, it's crazy the people that he chose. And yet here we are, here we are. And if you think that Abraham was the best of the best, what does that say about humanity? Exactly. And I think that is something important for us to think about that. That goes to a little bit of what Paul was saying, that all of our good deeds are like filthy rags to God. And it's a lot easier to look in the rear view mirror and go, Oh man, that wasn't so good. I wasn't as pure-hearted as I thought I was at the time, and and I think that's uh, that's why it's so important for us when we, you know, and the reason that whole life we talk so much about grace because I think that when you really sit back and look at yourself and, and see yourself slightly through the eyes of God, it gives you an appreciation for how much God loves you and how much His grace really does apply to you and how much you absolutely need Jesus. Yes. Well, and in, when you see the high regard in which Abraham is held by God mm-hmm. overall, and you go to yourself, man, I, I've, I've never done that. <laughs> you know, and I know that that's not that's not fair either because we all have our we all have our stuff. But this story is so real life. Like if Jerry Springer were on back in the day, I totally feel like, you know, these two, they would have all been going at each other. We have to have security break up the fight. But, and yet this story is still full of crazy, improbable promises, covenants that seemingly none of us see anymore. Like you don't see those kinds of things anymore or, or do we, and we just don't see them. We, we we look at that and look at the magnitude of it. God made a covenant for a great nation. And now it's like, God, I'd really like to pay my mortgage this month. And it comes through and you're like, well, that's pretty cool. You know, I somehow this all worked out and I have no no doubt God had his hand in it. But me and my twelve or fifteen hundred or two thousand dollar mortgage doesn't seem to be a great nation. <laughs> I, I I don't know. And and, and it, then it seems like but we're living at the end of times. Does that even, I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem like those kinds of things happen where the goodness maybe helps balance all this tragicness a little bit. 
Yeah. Well, you think about Abraham, though. Think about how many people were on the earth besides him. Hmm. And and this is the person that God singles out and says, I'm going to bless the rest of the world through you. And I think that's a real key passage. It wasn't that God was picking favorites. He was picking somebody to be a blessing to everybody else. In other words, he was taking somebody and saying, hey, look, you are going to be the person that is a blessing on my behalf to the rest of the world. So it wasn't like God excluded the rest of the world. Yeah, He was actually finding a, a human being to include the rest of the world and to, to be an example of what it could look like when you are sold out to God and doing what God wants you to do. And obviously yeah. Abraham had his issues with doing that. Yeah, you know, that point, that point gets lost so quickly, though. And I think we all tend to see that that God chooses him, and then it becomes this exclusive little group that only God loves. And uh, and I think it's it's important that that is because you're right that is an important thing. But we we miss that or we we get lost in the idea of oh I like I like to be a part of this lineage because this is God's favorite people. Mm-hmm. And, well, uh, well, he picked lost. to your point though. He picked Abraham who. You know, maybe could have been on Jerry Springer, but not on Murder She Wrote. So it wasn't like was the bar really high to make that to for him to pick Abraham? Why Abraham then? If there's was he the best of of what there was at that time? To, I for, think sometimes that he just picked Abraham because Abraham maybe was able to tell really good stories because this is all <laughs> or, oral tradition, right? So maybe, maybe Abraham maybe Abraham was able to uh, and. Because he certainly wasn't picking him because he was having a ton of kids. Yeah, well, and... that's true. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah, it wasn't like he already had a brood to get started yeah. with. It's just because right. it, it, I hear that from people who, a lot of my friends who maybe are, are former Christian or kind of on the fence, or I mean, I don't want to judge where anyone's walk is, but you know, they're and they just they're very skeptical about. It's like, well, you hold Abraham in this this you know amazing light, as did God. And yet, you know, still broken and obviously and, and you know, this story proves proves that beyond the point and beyond the shadow of a doubt. It just seems like it's hard to rectify all that. And I know so much of it gets lost in the time frame that things happen. But at the end of the day, we still have to trust that, that God made the decisions he did because it was the best decision for his plan. Yeah, I think that the, one of the things that God is looking for, and if you if you want to be like Abraham, then be like Abraham. Abraham listened to the voice of God, and he had a lot of faults, but in the end, when God asked him to move to a land that he had never seen, didn't know where he was going, he got up and he left, and he had some troubles along the way. He was human, yeah, but his heart was to follow God where he led, and I, I feel like that's... If I were to say there is one theme for humanity in the Bible, it would be Jesus' call, come, follow me. And if you want to be an Abraham, then you need to be asking God, what does it mean for me to come follow you? And I can tell you, I don't think that that is necessarily always comfortable. I don't think that God necessarily calls us to comfortable things. And so... What I think often happens out is that when we, when God chooses somebody, that we often are like, "Oh no, no, that's that's not that's not a good idea. That's no." 
you know, I was sharing part of my testimony earlier this week with, uh, with, um, some folks and part of our, our story as our family is that we, you know, I was in anchoring job and left that job without another job. My wife was pregnant with our second child. We already had my first child and we left without a job lined up, no health insurance because we felt like God was asking us to do that. And it was, incredibly uncomfortable and i'm mm. not saying that i'm i'm saying i'm not saying i'm any abraham because i'm well maybe i am <laughs> but not but not in the ways i care to share but anyway but what i'm trying to say is i think that that, that call is on all of our lives i think god calls us all to do uncomfortable things and the question becomes well do we trust him or don't we it is an uncomfortable and i i resonate with your story cuz that's um i have a similar where Left a you know a job with benefits. They weren't great benefits, and the pay wasn't you know stupendous, but it was clockwork, right? You know you could budget off of it, and then went to work in full time ministry for a year, and nearly went bankrupt doing it. Your family members and others look at you and go, "Are you absolutely out of your mind? Like you have opportunities here, and you're you're giving it up." But when God tells you to do it, you have to. At least, well, I did. And maybe it wasn't perfect along the way, but that's a, that's a scary place to be. And so that's a good that's a good remember point to Abraham is when God asked him to do some crazy like crazy things, and he just did it. Yeah. And that uh, whether you we well we should probably expect that we're not going to pull it off with <laughs> <laughs> with all the all the best that we could because that that's probably not. Uh, you look at all the mistakes that Abraham makes, and yet he's called the father of faith. And I guess that goes to Jesus' point that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain, right? And so apparently Abraham had two mustard seeds. Two mustard seeds. I like that. So I had a question then. What's the best thing that God has ever brought about from one of your mistakes or one of your workarounds, I think, as you put it, you know, when we try to work around God's plan? What's the best thing God has ever brought to your life when you've said, and for however it happened, not that it was necessarily wrong, you maybe this is what you thought God wanted, but you look back and go, man, I should have done this, because that's really what he was asking. What's the best thing that God ever brought into your life in one of those? Wow. Yeah, you want to, you're really, uh, you're really going for those hardcore questions there, Randy. Um, <laughs> I would, uh, man, there's a couple. I think what I'm, <laughs> I think what I'm willing to share is uh, when I got out of college, uh, Rochelle and I, um, talked about that we felt like God was sending us to go do something for him for a year or two, and that was, we thought we, that was working for the Seventh Adventist Church on Guam. And uh, I, I look back on it, and I'm not really sure that I spent a whole lot of time asking God about it as much as telling <laughs> God, I think this is what you want me to do. Um, and then the first two years that we were there, I was a jerk in a lot of ways. There were some situations that occurred that if I if I were dealing with them today, I would have completely different, yeah, totally handled different. them completely differently. And out of that came a lot of brokenness in my life. I felt um, I, I went, I graduated from college feeling on top of the world. You know, you're, you get done with college and you have professors that believe in you and say wonderful things about you, this, that, and another. And I, you know, I, I was, you know, really ready to take the world over and um, my first two years out of college just really were humbling, <laughs> very, very, very humbling. <laughs> and and if I were going to tell you the best thing I ever got out of that, it was that it was it was 
<laughs> the journey that I continue on towards humility. I'm a pretty self-confident type of person in general, and I think that the brokenness that I experienced, that I helped, I didn't realize how much I was contributing to my 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 pain and suffering at the time, but I think all of that, um, the blessing was the humility, and I think that, that the icing on top of it was that we all have what matters to us, right? Some people want to be really rich. Some people want to have a huge family. I don't know. For me, if there were one thing I could have picked in life, it was to be famous. That's what I wanted more than anything in my life. And um, and so out of all that brokenness, what became probably the time I became the most famous I will ever be, <laughs> I was famous on Guam, <laughs> which is going to be the title of my autobiography. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> famous is, on Guam. is that going to be in your headstone? He yeah, was famous, famous on, on Guam. Guam. I don't know what will be on my headstone, but, uh, awesome. hopefully my children choose to say something nice. Um, but no, but it was, it. but it was that I really got that. I was on an island of 150,000 people. I was the six o'clock news anchor and, Everybody knew me. I could walk in just about anywhere, and you know, people were ready to Say help hello. me. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so, uh, so that was a kind of a fun experience that came out. That was the icing, but the, probably the cake of it really was though the humility that I had to learn going in into that experience. Jeff, you got one to share? Uh, well, probably similar to Ken's, except I was never really famous anywhere, um, except the idea was that I wanted to be a water skier. And so I'd gotten this job to teach water skiing at this gorgeous resort. And it was a great summer job. And and so I thought, this is perfect. And a youth pastor from Hinsdale called me up and he said, why do you want to go work at a resort? Why don't you come down and do something meaningful with your life? Oh, oh. <laughs> and, uh, you do something meaningful. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, after a long bit of wrestling back and forth, I felt like maybe that was the best place for me. So I turned down a really, really fun job for the summer. And that has sort of set the trajectory of, basically my life ever since that I got called to be youth pastor after he left the next year. So even wearing those ministry concrete loafers the rest of your life. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Where would the, where would whole life church be without the Sinkamonis? That's the, that's the whole thing. (laughs) We'd be sunk. You figure all the, (laughs) no, that's not true. Well, but it, it is a trajectory. No, that's it's awesome. You know, there's so many of them in my life, like you mentioned, Ken. Probably one I'd be willing to share was, in a way, like you, like my in high school, I was like, I don't even, I don't, I had no aspirations for college. I want to be a disc jockey. Mm-hmm. Got hired, never did work a day. Got got. Well, I didn't get fired. I just didn't get the. They just rescinded the job offer when the person didn't leave three days later. And so I guess maybe fame was a little bit a part of that, but and I've never been famous either. But I would say, well, let's be honest, I've never been famous. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, you you got a whole island in a like whole, a, yeah, it, well, if they even can remember my name. <laughs> oh, okay, that's it. Now we're gonna have to find out. We're gonna look through the analytics and see if there's anybody from Guam listening. If not, we're gonna send out some feelers to Guam. And be like, Do you remember Ken? He's now on a weekly show. You can catch him again. Your old friend Ken, that warming voice that yeah. you've been missing. Yeah, we got him. Yeah, trust me. They... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and when. When Sparkle showed up in our life unexpectedly, I was pretty self-confident and I was pretty sure that I had answers for most everything. 
not because I felt like I knew everything, but like, hey, I can work it out. I mean, I'm a smart person and things, you know, if I put my mind to something, they generally turn out pretty good. And so, you know, and then you realize how much of that you don't, how much you don't realize that you're projecting onto people or you're projecting onto ones that you love. And then when you are left with a package that you have absolutely no knowledge of, because you think you do, because, well, it's, a, it's, another, it's another baby. But this baby, like whatever you used last time, just rip it up and throw it out from the moment they're born because nothing is the same. Literally nothing is the same. And that was probably the thing that changed my life, my wife's life, uh, Ellie's life, our family as a whole, as uh, we've become completely, completely different people over the last little over a decade. And so while I, you know, if you asked, would I choose it? No, I wouldn't have. But yet now, if you'd asked me to trade it for something, I can't think of what I would trade it for because I know there isn't anything. So I think that when we get to these stories and it seems like there's so much negativity or so many workarounds where we try to, you know, maneuver what we think God wants us to do because it's really what we <laughs> what we hmm. want to do. And then he brings something good out of all of it. And in the middle of it, you're just like, this This just totally stinks. I, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of everything. And then – you start to slowly realize as he reveals it to you, like how much different you are. Someone says a little something like, oh, you're you know, a little calmer than you used to be. You're a little this, you know, and you go, oh, yeah, maybe I wonder why that is. And then you start putting the pieces together and go, man, God really does work in mysterious ways and bring the best out of us. So people oftentimes hold Paul to me in sacred status, and I'm a big a, a big a, a Paul fan, as you'll find. I enjoy reading pretty much everything that Paul's written. And I feel like Paul and me, I feel like we're homies. And so I, I feel like he probably deserves all of his kind of sacred cow status that he has. But even though that he's seemingly to me so clear, but then in this case, it's like, wow, that's kind of hard. To, <laughs> it's kind of hard to swallow the way Paul puts, you know, pulls this whole story together. And it's almost seeming like he takes a different, almost like a completely different tangent than his normal style what about this story just like takes Paul and, and it kind of throws him on his ear. It almost seems like it, it, like he's off sides, right? Now the ball got hiked too soon and now it's in my hand. I don't know what to do with it. And I, and I just give you a, a, an answer like, like not well thought out. Am I missing that? Am I, am I wrong on that? I could be. It's okay to say that I am. I mean, <laughs> no, I, I'm just trying to. I'm, you're one of the few people that I, I've run into that thinks Paul is clear on a regular basis. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to work through that part of it. Is what I'm trying to work through. I feel like I was actually stumped. I on feel that like one. he communicates yeah, pretty well in a lot of ways, and so I enjoy him. And I see. I feel like I understand what he's saying most times, and so that might be. Paul was a brilliant human being. I feel like many brilliant people that that sometimes they're so smart that they make it hard to be understood. Mm, okay. And and one of the one of the real disadvantages that we face as we read the things that he writes is that these are all, you know, most of his writings, I'm trying to think if there are any that aren't are writings to specific communities. So in other words, he's writing a letter um, it's like if I were writing you a letter, um, and then somebody 200 years from now got a hold of that letter 
and tried to apply it to their own personal life. Does that make sense? And, yeah, and so like, absolutely. And yep. so obviously the principles involved, uh, you know, obviously what Paul is writing is inspired. It's very, it's, you know, it's, it's God-breathed. Uh, Paul's, you know, clearly connected with God. But sometimes we miss out on the nuance of what he was trying to really communicate because we don't under, we're not seeing it from the person who is receiving it's viewpoint. Paul will often write things that seem very contradictory from one book to another. So in one book, he will say, do this, and then in another book, of he'll say, don't do this. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll use a great example. He absolutely takes a church to task for suggesting that they would circumcise anybody. He's like, you know, don't do that. You, I mean, you'll, if you do that, you're going to nullify the grace of God. How dare you? Don't you dare uh, circumcise anybody. And then he turns around and circumcises Timothy. Um, <laughs> and and we're like, oh, okay, so... What? And again, it, what this comes down to is not understanding the audience and the point that was going on. There was a reason why Paul wasn't—it it looks contradictory, but it wasn't. Paul Paul had a reason, but we look at it very one-dimensionally, and Paul is writing in in maybe more than three, three dimensions. dimensions. He's yeah. writing in, in, in very personal ways to people for personal reasons that he that that they know that he's he's calling out situations he's explaining in certain circumstances that he wants things done a certain way and in a different circumstance he wants it done a different way which is the beauty of the nuance of god um right, that, yeah. that it we often chalk things up to god being hypocritical or or having two di- but he's not God just recognizes the circumstance, and so he works through what he has to work through in our lives. And so when you take a look at the story of Hagar um, that Paul uses, most theologians in our time and place use a, a method of that, that's called—and I'm just using some pretty layman terms here, but it's called the historical critical method of going about exegeting passages and, and interpreting things. Paul doesn't use that method. That wasn't the way that he was trained as a Jewish rabbi, which is what he really was. He was he was right. he was one of the foremost theologians of his time. He was trained under one of the top theologians uh, in Israel, for that matter. And in their time, that they were there, they had different techniques for how they went about interpreting Scripture. And so, what we see is from our worldview, we go, "Wow, Paul, you can't." take the scripture and do that to it, <laughs> whereas he was using a technique that was incredibly common in his time and his place. It was, not, it was not considered a bad thing to take two things that had nothing to do with each other to make a true point. So okay. if, you're, if the point was the right thing, the point wasn't you know, making sure that all the way that you, that you get there all the way in a, in a you know, the point was where were you going with this and and what was the final point yeah and so when paul starts talking about the slave woman he's talking to a group of people that this was a common this was their world context slavery was not the way that we view it today, today yeah it was a common feature of their society. And again, this is not me at all saying that God wanted slavery, that God condoned slavery. Right. Yeah, no, for um, sure. 
And and one of the things I like to point out is that that we will get up on our moral high horse about slavery, but we'll still shop for products that we know are being made by people in foreign countries who are being paid nothing and that are living in abject poverty as they are bringing us the creature comforts that we enjoy. And so it's very easy for us to be on our high horse about slavery. Well, I don't own any slaves. There's a fascinating website that you can actually go to to find out how many um, people are – you are (laughs) – basically how many slaves you have today in a modern context. Even just with the clothes you wear. (laughs) Yeah. Well, especially with – especially with – I mean we lived – Saipan is right next to Guam, and on Saipan there's a huge – because it's not a part of the United States territories. It's part of the Commonwealth of the Marianas. They have a huge manufacturing presence on there for some – at that time for some major name brand clothing, major name brand. And I've gone past the places where they made those clothes, and it made me not want to ever purchase those clothes because of the stories and the things that we saw happening in those places. Those people, they may have received a paycheck, but they were slaves. And so, like I said, we, we can get on our moral high horse, but I suspect if, if Jesus doesn't come back in two or three hundred p- years from now, people are going to think we are pretty barbaric in the way that we went about doing things too. And so, again, not to justify anything, but sure. simply to say the context matters. In, to- in Paul's time, slavery was a common feature. It wasn't the same as the chattel slavery that we practiced in the United States before the Civil War. It was different in the way, but it was still slavery. Still slavery. It was still slavery. Yeah. And so for Paul, there wasn't the taboo in using this word, the slave woman, that we would have today in using that. And so in Galatians 4, when he starts talking about Sarah and he starts talking about Hagar, he's really trying to make an important point about, are you going to fulfill God's promises on your own power or are you going to allow God to fulfill his promises to you with his power? And he's actually pointing out that Abraham and Sarah, if you really look at it, and you have to dig there, but he's really pointing out that Abraham and Sarah abused Hagar. Yeah. That that what they did was not part of God's plan, that it was them trying to fulfill God's plan, and in the process they caused a lot of hurt in a lot of pain. And so it's not actually Hagar. It sound, you know, we all I really wish that it would translate a different way, but um, <laughs> when he says cast the slave woman out, he's metaphorically talking about get rid of this idea that you can take on a slave to create God's plan for you. Don't do that. Don't don't be that way. And again, I know that you can look at that passage and say, well, Ken, come on. I mean, he's talking about Hagar. He's talking about her being sent away where God actually endorses Abraham, sending Hagar out into the wilderness. But again, you have to get back to Paul wasn't Paul wasn't talking about Hagar. He was trying to make a point about grace versus the law, faith versus the law. And he was making it to a group of people that would have very well understood the point that would he was making yeah. and that, that they would have— heard it in a very different way than we hear it today. Um, yeah, and that's obvious. You guys aren't the first two to go, what, Paul? And I just, I've always enjoyed Paul, and I've always felt like 
for the majority. And I'm, sh- and th- but you get to things like this, and you realize how many of these nuances, like you said, or you know, the groups that he was talking to, how we do not process those appropriately to get the true meaning. But what is the most important takeaway that we can take from something that, at just a glance, seems very, very confusing? And as you dig down deep into it, like we did through the message, by the way, don't miss that. That's already out on our sister podcast. Speaking of grace, you can catch the message. And the way that Ken laid it out is the best I've heard it ever done because I felt like I followed the pieces in a logical way that made sense. I I still don't know if I completely have it, <laughs> but at least I could follow a timeline and follow a thought uh, a thought process of reasoning that made you go, okay, well, God doesn't seem like quite the ogre <laughs> than he does if you just breeze over this and you don't take the time. So is that really it? Is it finding someone that can explain it or is it digging deeper, a combination of the two? When we get to things in the Bible like this, because I feel like it's just easy to go, man, I'm just going to avoid this story. If I read over it, does it matter? Does it matter if I understand this story from this long ago? Does it really matter? It absolutely matters. I mean, I think that I, I, for me, this story, and I, I know that not everybody will share my feeling on this, but I love this story because it really, to me, resonates with why it matters to allow God to fulfill his promises, promises for yeah. you and why you don't need to rush things. My, and, and maybe it just speaks to my personality, but my personality is God helps them that helps themselves. So. Let's get busy. Let's let's <laughs> no. get things done here. I'm with you. And yet that's not <laughs> if you if you read this story, you quickly realize that 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 a lot of people, by the way, think that's a biblical passage. God helps them that helps themselves. That's not. It's 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 not a biblical saying. It's not in the Bible. It's and the probably tr- true though, isn't it? No, I, I yeah, no. Let's let's go ahead and say no. Let's just say no. God, God helps not. those that wait on Him. Him is the better way of of saying it. That's what the story is pointing out. God helps those that wait on Him, and the good news is He helps those who rush ahead, ahead of, of Him too. too. <laughs> and so, Thank and you, so Jesus. that's the beauty yeah. of grace and what what God does for us. But um, you asked about how you can know these sort of things, and, and you, the, here's the truth: you don't have to have a theology degree or go to seminary to, to understand these stories if you want to put the time into it. There's amazing resources that are very easy to use on the internet, That uh, just reading books. For instance, uh, it, it, was, it was interesting to me. I, I didn't realize this sermon was coming up because obviously I found out about it a week ago. <laughs> a week ago, yeah. But I had actually just finished a book called Paul Behaving Badly. Paul Behaving? Who's Paul, the author? Um, it's by uh, Randolph... Uh, Randolph Richards and Brandon O'Brien, and it's called Paul Behaving Badly, and it, it takes uh, a look at all the the criticisms that Paul has faced from misogyny to endorsement of slavery to um, uh, hypocrisy, and it, it goes through and it really looks at it um, uh, and, and asks, is, is this fair? Is that who Paul was? And you know, spoiler alert: they, you know, they're Christians. They're 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 Christian theologians. So of course, 
in the end, they, they make a very strong case that Paul was none of those things, that he was incredibly progressive for his time. Hashtag um, thanks. I'm not buying the book now. Yeah, sorry about that. But uh, <laughs> I would do it because it goes through, no. and it actually, it actually, the crazy thing is the last chapter actually addresses Galatians 4. Does That's it? part of, That's of cool. what they do. And so, like I said, there's a lot of really wonderful resources out there that you can read and, and that you can look at it. And I think that the, the challenge for people— and I think it's just the brain that God gave me with. I love a weird story, and I love trying to figure out what the what the reason it is there yeah. for. I think other people will look at that and be like, "Oh, this hurts my head. I don't even want to deal with this." Yeah. And you know, I'll just trust that God is good and move on with my life. I'm not a trusting sort, <laughs> and so so I'm like, "Okay, okay. Well, well, what is happening here? Why would God?" Because I mean, like I said, if you believe the Bible's inspired, if you believe God is the the, the reason yeah. we have all these stories, because God wanted you to have, have them, them, yeah. Well, then when there's unflattering stories about Him, there He must have wanted those there, and why did He want them there? And the question I think, and to me, that's I think some of the most beautiful things I've learned about God have come out of those those stories that I thought there is no possible explanation for this. This is just bad behavior. Yeah. Well, swipe up in today's show notes, folks, and there will be a link to Amazon where you can find that book if you would like it. And to me, just being a Paul fan, I am already intrigued, and I'm glad you mentioned it because I would have forgotten that you mentioned it because I wasn't at church this week because I was at the beach all day And God has grace for you, too. And he does have grace for me all day long. Um, (laughs) One of the things that we really need to be careful of, and that is that we think that Paul had a Bible like we have a Bible mm, too. Yeah. And, and that, and that this is just this, you know, this linear uh, view of scripture where Paul's just taking that story and then he's going to give his take or his, and th- these are, even though, and I love what you said, Ken, regarding the fact that Paul is not looking at this historically critical. And he he's taking this story to prove a point that he wants to make. And by the way, Jewish people of the day and still today, they'll discuss their their viewpoint of the Bible is not to come up with the right answer, but to come up with as many answers. Sometimes as they the can. right question. In other words, yeah, hmm, it's more okay. about the question being looked at as opposed to the answer being formalized and nice. solidified. So I, yeah, I think that's, that's important point. when we think that's of great. All right, we had one question even though we did not have a Q&A because of a said beach day which by the way the Share Life team thank you that's so much. So I they know they even planned a day with the perfect yeah. weather as far as a redhead is concerned. As far as I mean I was there all day and I got a little <laughs> red and then it turned to brown so I was happy but I was I was there the whole day and had an absolute wonderful time. And Tomas, if you're listening, and I think you are because you said you told me at Beach Day that you were, that uh, thank you much. I know you're part of that uh, that part of that group that made yes, it all thank happen. Thank you so much, Tomas. And it was wonderful. So we had one question from our good friend Jahimi. He said, cosmic conflicts are so complicated and confusing. How can we keep an upper hand seemingly when we just try to sort through all of the the complications and the confusing? How yeah. do we how do we keep that upper hand? We put our hand in Jesus. Oh, you know what? My Ellie said the same thing when she heard the question when she was here earlier today. She said, well, the hand of Jesus. Yeah, we can't keep an upper hand. If it's a, <laughs> if, if it's a cosmic yeah. conflict and there are powers that are far bigger than anything hmm. we can possibly imagine, the idea that we <laughs> could do anything 
is is you know it's as laughable as the idea of uh, you know of my two year old son wrestling me into submission, <laughs> you know <laughs> as a as a thirty year old man that you know yeah. it's just not going to happen. But what can happen is when my son puts his hand in mine, um, I can be there for him and take care of him. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right, this week one of our whole life reflections asked: Does everything God does in the Bible have to make sense? in order for you to believe that God is good? Man, that's a cool question because I think, and, and I would really seriously love to hear what you have to say because, and uh, if you wouldn't mind telling us how old you are when you do that, because I really feel like that question changes over time. There was a time when I was younger that I I would have answered that wholeheartedly, yes, like if it doesn't make sense, then I'm not even I'm not down for this. And then as you get older and you start you start learning that, you know, God is who he says he is, and so this has to be there has to be the good in this somewhere. It can't just be this this misinterpretation or this less this lack of understanding. And so I would really like to hear what you have to th- uh, to say about that and, and how you feel about it. And you can let us know that by voicemail or text 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. Wrapping up, our final thoughts are from the closing to Ken's message. And this might be my favorite close we've had so far. He said, when we, like Abraham and Sarah, try to use our own ingenuity to solve our problems instead of listening to and trusting God's plan, pain (laughs) and suffering for ourselves and others is very often the result. We are flawed. (sighs) I knew it. God is good. I was pretty sure of that. God is able to redeem our mistakes. Yes. God is faithful to Hagar and Ishmael while still remaining true to his original plan. And then the question, is our creator and redeemer worthy of our love, respect, and devotion? He is. Man, that really wraps up a whole ton of things when you just, maybe if you're just in that moment where things don't make sense and we're we're, we're talking about all these great questions which are a little bit confusing and you're thinking, man, maybe I'm just a... I'm not in the right class. I'm in the JV class. I'm not I'm not up to par. I feel that same way, so I'm with you sometimes. But here, it just it really solves it the whole thing that, you know, God is able to redeem our mistakes and he's faithful to everyone, still stays true to his original plan and he is worthy of our love, respect and devotion. That's awesome. That's just awesome. Good thing to keep in mind as you're in midweek and maybe you're trudging a little bit by Wednesday. So, all right. Next week, John Monday. John Monday. John Monday. Yes, indeed. The messy middle. Do we know what this is about? I mean, I mean I'm sure you do, but I, I do. I don't. I don't. Uh, well, you know, you should definitely watch the. Uh, hopefully, watched he'll church. come in and do a promo <laughs> and about what he's uh, what he where he's going with this. But That's it's, true. it's it's going to be a good sermon. He's. Um, this is the part that I think is interesting. So we just got done with the the good question series, and then I. The, not this week, but the following week, we're going to go into a new series called Love Is, where we're taking okay. um, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7, and we're, we're going through it and just dissecting it down to mm. down to each, down to the words. So the first sermon will be Love Is, Patient and Kind. And so, oh, okay. so we're going to take each each of these words and really explore what, what it truly means to love. And so... John is doing a sermon on uh, connecting. This is, I think, this is pretty fun, and I was really impressed with how he was able to do it. Because I, I <laughs> he said, I'd like to connect the two series, the great series, great uh, questions series <laughs> with the with the love is. And I was like, How are you going to do that? <laughs> and uh, and he's done it. So show up in church and judge whether or not he did it. All right, and find out. And 
And hopefully Mr. Monday will yeah. be around next Tuesday so he can join us here yeah, I think he's planning uh, in the studio and uh, join us for the podcast. That's, I mean, you don't get to preach if you're not going to do this. I that's mean, right. That's, that's just the way it is. Well, so. you can do it once, but we're not going to let you get away with it twice. Yeah, good. Yeah. And, and John has been a good yeah. sport. He's always like, well, I don't know if I have anything to say. And I'm we'll like, John Monday, come on now. I'm just looking forward to the Q&A. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for <laughs> at the end. I'm going to be sitting in the audience enjoying that. I can tell you that right now. Ken's going to be logged in under a, under a pseudonym and uh, th- tossing those questions over to the Q&A. Oh, how little you know me. There'll be no pseudonym. <laughs> Ken wants to know. <laughs> Ken's, Ken thought he heard you say this, but I'm pretty sure you meant. Excellent. Well, John Monday, if you're listening, we have you on the docket for next week. And uh, do join us again because I am always excited because I still think I'll have to go back and look at our new stats. It's hard to remember, but I do believe our most popular podcast episode ever was John Monday. And it was a series called The Great Ask. No, The Bold Ask. He did the one on the the – the thieves on the cross, right? I'm, I'm thinking before we had transferred our hosting platform, that was the number one. And so if it's still the number one under the new platform, he's still in the lead. And he says it's because he logs in every day and listens to it 12 times. I'm like, that's not that's not how it works, John. That can't be it because I know my mother listens to this like 17 <laughs> times anyway a day. So it's all good. It knows your MAC address. It can't get away. Hey, mom. It. Love you. <laughs> awesome. So, all right. So that'll be next week. So definitely join us. If you haven't heard this message, it wraps up our great question series. And it's a complicated subject as far as I'm concerned, but Ken really laid it out well. It's already live. It's in your feed. So just swipe over to this. uh, Speaking of grace, excuse me. And it's already there. Listen to that. And then we will be on to Mr. Monday next week. So that's going to do it. Thanks for joining us as always. And have a fantastic week.